Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. I believe God has a word for you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation, the very last book. We're going to the end. Can I tell you, I've read the back of the book. I know how this thing ends up. Turn to your neighbor and say, we win. win. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12. And as you're turning there, I want to read a story that's going to set really the tone of the topic today. A little boy named Johnny was visiting his grandparents on their farm. They gave him a slingshot and sent him out to play in the woods. He practiced all day, but never could hit the target. Discouraged, he started the journey back home for lunch. As he walked back, he just so happened to notice Grandma's pet duck. Out of impulse, he took aim and let it fly, and he hit the duck square in the head, killing it. Shocked, grieved, and in a panic, he hid the dead duck in a woodpile, only to see his sister had seen it all. She was watching everything. Sally had seen everything, but didn't say a word. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Grandma, Johnny told me that he wanted to help in the kitchen today. <laughs> didn't you, Johnny? And she leaned over and whispered, quack. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the kids wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, "Well, well, Papa, listen, I'm sorry, but I really need Sally to help me make supper. But Sally smiled and said, Grandma, Johnny told me he wanted to help make supper tonight. Isn't that right, Johnny? Quack, quack. So Sally went fishing and Johnny helped with supper. After several days of doing both his chores and Sally's, Johnny could stand it no longer. He came to his grandma and he broke down and confessed. He said, Grandma, I had your duck. I had a slingshot of that rock and that duck and I killed it. I put it behind the wood. And just, I mean, was in pieces. Grandma knelt down beside Johnny. She gave him a hug and said, Sweetheart, I know. You see, I was standing at the window and I saw the whole thing. And because I love you, I forgive you. I'm not mad at you. I was just wondering how long you would let your sister make a slave out of you. Mm-mm-mm. The title of the message today, if I, could, if I could give it a title, it would simply be this. When the devil says, quack, quack. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on how to handle the quacks. How many of you know we live in a world full of quacks. Uh, I wonder, have you noticed how life is full of bumps and bruises and bad ideas? Anybody ever done anything or said anything? And at the time you thought it made sense, but you look back and you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Maybe one of the best ways to start this message is if if we just kind of go down the row one at a time and each share our worst decisions that we've ever made. How many know we'd have a whole lot to talk about? 
And some of us might be encouraged because our bad decision wasn't quite as bad as his bad decision. But you know, if you go through life long enough, you're gonna do things, you're gonna say things, you're gonna experience things that bring pain to you and others. And I want you to know that the enemy of your soul loves to whisper in your ear, quack, quack. He loves to bring you back to all the things that you did. You know, if you listen to the quacks long enough, it's amazing how you start to believe them. I thought about ducks, and we've got some ducks in our neighborhood. You know what happens when you feed a little duck? It grows. And not only does that little duck become a big duck, but then all these other ducks kind of find, it's kind of like they got a fraternity. Hey, I know where there's food. You know, those ducks will come up and they will tap on the back door because they're expecting somebody to feed them. And those ducks will follow you and talk to you. And the more you feed them, the bigger it grows. And I want you to know the enemy of your soul loves to harass you. He loves to follow you and talk to you about everything you did. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, I want you to look at two verses. And here's what I love about the scriptures. Because the scriptures actually identify the problem, but they don't just leave us in the problem. They give us the solution. I don't know what problem you brought into church today, but I promise you God's word can identify what that problem is and can give you the solution that you need. Revelation chapter 12, look at verse 10. Bible says this, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser. Everybody say accuser. Who are we talking about now? The devil. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God both day and night. Do you notice the activity of your enemy? The Bible refers to him as an accuser. Now, that word in the Greek is actually a legal term. It means to prosecute. It means to incriminate. It means to condemn. The scripture says that the enemy, your adversary, the accuser, goes day and night before God. And he's listing all of your sins, all of your mistakes, all of your failures. You know what he's telling God? Quack, quack. Quack, quack, quack. Oh, wait, wait, quack, 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 quack. Did you see? Did you see what he did? Bible says he accuses us day and night, but look at what it says in verse 11. But they overcame him. Now watch this. But they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. Okay. Do you see the scenario? Do you see how the enemy will torture and torment us? But do you see the solution that God's given us? I want to talk to you about how to defeat the quacks. How to defeat the quacks. In fact, one of the things I love about the scripture, I love how God takes ordinary people and he does extraordinary things. Now, now, now these people aren't superheroes. They're not superhuman. They're just like you and me. In fact, sometimes we'll catalog these, these men and women as something that they're not, but God is very clear in the human element inside of all of us. I want you to consider Moses. Moses was one of the greatest leaders that the Bible has ever uh, documented. And, and you know how Moses had a friendship with God. 
God. The Bible says that Moses on top of Mount Sinai spoke to God face to face. And that's where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. How many have ever heard of those Ten Commandments? Now, he, he wrote it in stone. I mean, it was etched in stone. It was something permanent. And so here Moses has these stone tablets and he's walking down the mountain. Watch this. Don't you think Moses read those commandments? Don't you think Moses looked them over before he reached the foot of the mountain? What does commandment number six say? Thou shall not kill. Don't you think at that moment the devil whispers in Moses' ear, quack, quack, or I know what you did back in Egypt. Remember, remember that Egyptian that you killed and buried and left him in the sand? Remember that, Moses? Oh, now you're going to bring this, these stone tablets to God's people? Do you see how the devil works? He's an accuser. Or, or consider David. David was one of the most beloved kings in all of Israel. In fact, the, the, the Bible refers to David as a man after God's own heart. But there was a time when David was a man after another man's wife. Come on now. Am I talking to the right people? Don't you think there were moments in David's experience? I mean, he's a beloved king and he's anointed by God. But David did some infamous things. For David to be so famous, he did some infamous things. And the enemy would say, quack, quack. Or consider the New Testament. Consider the 12 men who followed Jesus. They're called apostles. One of the greatest is the apostle Peter. Many scholars believe that he was kind of the leader of the bunch. But do you remember as Jesus had been arrested and was being tried? Do you remember the episode in Luke 22 where Peter was confronted? Wait a second. You're one of Jesus's followers. And he denied it not once, not twice, but. And what did he hear? Come on now. Well, wait. And then you fast forward seven weeks later, and in the book of Acts, you see Peter addressing thousands of people on the day of Pentecost. Don't you know that in that moment, the enemy was trying to accuse him? I know who you really are, Peter. You're not all that. I saw what you did seven weeks ago. You're not fooling anybody. You think you've changed? Really, you got no power to change. And yet Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, and he preaches one of the best sermons ever recorded in the Bible, and 3,000 people get saved. You see, listen, if you're serious about your relationship with God and serious about moving forward in the purposes of God, you're going to have to learn how to deal with the quacks. If you're taking notes, I got three simple thoughts and it's taken right out of Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. But the first thing I want you to consider is this. Here's how to handle the quacks. Number one, don't underestimate the power of the cross. Don't underestimate the power of the cross. The Bible says you will overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. Okay, the blood represents sacrifice. Somebody had to lay down his life. There is power in the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, you know what's, what's funny? The story of Johnny and Sally, when Sally was saying quack, quack, she was bringing up the guilt of Johnny's past. Now, she wasn't necessarily lying, was she? She was telling the truth. She was telling the truth about Johnny. Johnny knew it, and so did Sally. But see, she didn't want Johnny to confess that truth because there's a greater truth than Johnny's guilt, and that was Grandma's love. I'll tell you this. There's a greater truth than the guilt that the enemy knows about you, and that's the love that God has for you. In fact, and Johnny didn't know freedom until he first confessed it 
to grandma. Johnny had to confess it. You know, there's something. Jesus will die on a cross for us, but he requires us to repent. Everybody say repent. Now, I don't, we don't really talk a lot about that word in church. But can I tell you, repent is not a bad word. It's a biblical word. It's a beautiful word. And when we, to, to repent literally means this. It means a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of direction. When you repent, you're changing your heart, your mind, and your direction to literally go the opposite way. Here's where this gets powerful. Because when we confess our sins before God, the scripture says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you embrace the power of the cross, you understand how complete God's forgiveness is. I want you to know, God has forgiven you. So listen, you need to forgive you. You see, I don't think we have a problem recognizing the goodness of God. I think all of us would acknowledge when we mess up, that when we fall short, when we commit a sin, I think all of us believe that God is good and he's faithful to forgive us. But the challenge is us forgiving ourselves. Some of you are here this morning and you recognize that God's forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. The, the, the power of the cross is when God looks at your life, he doesn't see your sin, he doesn't see your shortcoming, but he sees the blood of his son, Jesus. Can I have a better amen? You see, now that is power. Don't think for a second that your guilt is greater than God's grace. Your guilt is no match for the grace of God. Don't think for, I'm telling you, when Jesus hung on that cross, he said, it is finished. Why would he say those words? Because in the Old Testament, you had to bring a sacrificial animal and that, that sacrificial animal, it worked for a while, but you had to keep going back and sacrificing more animals because it could remove the, the penalty, but it couldn't take away the guilt or the shame. But Jesus came as the sinless, spotless Lamb of God and once and for all laid down his life. And that blood sacrifice not only removed the guilt, but it took away the shame and condemnation that comes along with it. Can I have a better amen? Here's what Paul said in Romans 8. This is what he said. So, check this out. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Come on now, talk to me. Paul said, because of what Jesus did, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Somebody needs to get happy in this place today. When you understand the power of the cross and repent of your sins before God, the Bible says that there's something that washes us and cleanses us and makes us whiter than snow. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how God can take a black heart, he applies red blood, and he makes us whiter than snow. But it happens. I don't know how a brown cow can eat green grass and make white milk and yellow butter, but it happens. You see, when you start talking about the cross, here's what has to die. Regret and guilt have to die. Some of you, because you hear quack, quack, it's difficult for you to even come in church and worship because you're reminded of everything you did in the past. 
And you're thinking, man, if they knew about me, what I know about me. And God's saying, if you knew about me, what I know about me. You see, regret is is a world that has rules all of its own. You know, the only thing you can do with regret is wallow in it. Come on, when I say wallow, what comes to your mind? Like a pig in the mud. Just roll around in it and just get it all up on you and it kind of sticks to you. And that's how regret works. You see, regret, it blurs the lines of what you can change and what you can't. Listen, if you can change it, then change it and move on. If you can't change it, then make your peace with God and move on. But either way, you got to move on. I'm telling you, this is going to set some people free today because you've been listening to quack, quack for too long. And God said, wait a second. No, no. Listen to my love for you. Look at the cross. Look at what Jesus did for you. Look at the blood that was shed for you. All the provision for freedom and healing and a new beginning is in Jesus and his cross. That's why today, it, it, when you fall into sin, you, you say, you know what? I admit it. I did it. I quit it, so forget it. Do do, do you see how this works? Some of us are reminding God of things that he's forgiven and forgotten. Because the scripture says in Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 86, 5, the Bible says, for the Lord is good. He is full of mercy and he's ready to forgive those who ask. Psalm 32, 1, the Bible says, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions are covered. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. Do you believe that this morning? Mm -mm -mm. You see, God, you, you need God's commentary about your past. You've been listening to the wrong commentary. I'm telling you, if you listen to wrong voices, you're going to make wrong choices. Some of you, the direction and course of your life has been twisted because you're not listening to what God's word says. You, You need to keep the truth in front of you. Keep the truth in front of you. If not, you're always going to be listening and looking at what's behind you. What's the truth about God? What's the truth about you? What's the truth about your family? The truth about your destiny? Can I tell you, you will not find that in feelings. You'll find it in this book. And if you keep this book in front of you, if you keep truth in front of you and you follow what's in front of you, you'll get exactly where you need to go. And I've just discovered that God's much more interested in where you're going than where you came from. Come on, can I have a better amen? See, when the devil says quack, the first thing you need to say, whoa, wait, there's power in the cross of Jesus Christ. Man, there's power in the sacrifice of God's son. Number one, don't underestimate the power of the cross. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. But then the second thing the scripture says, but they overcame him by the word of their testimony. Number two, the second thing, here's how you defeat the quacks. When you hear the quacks, 
you got to talk back. You better talk back. Now, I was very cautious whenever I wrote this point down because I just, I can see my mama and her backhand coming at me. How many know you never talk back to mama? How many got a lesson before as a kid when you tried to sash your mama and you, you, you and your dad had a little pow wow? Daddy went pow and you went wow. Now, you don't, you don't talk back to mom. But when the enemy says quack, quack, you better talk back. Because if you don't say anything, then your silence will be your agreement. You'll just listen to it and you'll believe it. You'll come into agreement with it. And then eventually you'll start to speak it. Do you see how this works? If you, if you listen, then you'll believe. If you believe, then you'll agree. And then when you agree, you'll say it. It'll come out of your mouth as if it were your own. That didn't come from you. That quack came from the devil. You can't just say what he says over your life. Did you know that your words are containers of power? Your words are powerful. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, that the power of life and death are held right here in the tongue. That tells me this, that what comes out of our mouth, it either has a positive charge or a negative charge. And what Jesus did for us at Calvary is a positive. But if what you're speaking is simply negative, guess what happens when a positive meets a negative? It cancels each other out. And some of us are operating at zero power level because our words are not matching God's words over us. When the devil says quack, quack, you better talk back. Words are containers of power. What are the words that you're saying over your life? You know, it's amazing to me how we obsess with what we put into our mouth, but we give very little consideration of what comes out of our mouth. We live in a culture where it's, I mean, you better document everything that you're eating. Wait a second. Is that what fat grams? How many calories? Is that gluten-free? Is that uh, uh, organic? Is that all natural? You know, and, and we're, we're so concerned with what we consume, and yet God says, wait a second. It's not, the, not, it's not what you put in your mouth. In fact, look at what the Scripture says in Matthew 15. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by, by the words that come out of your mouth. What are you saying over you? How many of you think it's important to say over you what God says over you? You begin to understand who you are in Christ. You know, and this is something that years ago I kind of came across it. And so I, I thought, you know what? I, I want this to be in my spirit. I want the, these words to be on my lips. Whenever I hear the quacks, I need to remember who I am in Jesus. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ because I understand that failure is an event and not a person. Yesterday ended last night, and today is a brand new day. I'm in Christ because my, my past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm in Christ because I know that a win doesn't make me, and a loss can't break me. I'm in Christ because I'm filled with faith, hope, and love. I live without anger, guilt, greed, envy, or thoughts of revenge. I'm in Christ because I'm mature enough to delay gratification and to shift my focus from my rights to my responsibilities. You see, I'm in Christ because I know that if I don't stand for something, I'll fall for anything. 
I'm in Christ today because I'm secure in who I am. Therefore, I'm at peace with God and I'm in fellowship with man. I'm in Christ because I know that others can please me, but only Jesus can satisfy the hunger that's in my soul. I'm in Christ because I'm pleasant to the grouch, I'm courteous to the rude, and I'm generous to the needy. I'm in Christ because I love the unlovable. I give hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, friendship to the friendless, and encouragement to the discouraged. I'm in Christ because I look back in forgiveness, I look forward in hope, I look down in compassion, and I look up in gratitude. I'm in Christ because I understand that he who would be the greatest among you must become the servant of all. I'm in Christ because I recognize, confess, develop, and use my God-given mental, physical, and spiritual abilities to the glory of God and for the benefit of man. And finally, I'm in Christ because I know that one day I'll stand before God, the creator of this universe, and I will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. You see, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Come on, somebody say new. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. When the devil says, quack, quack, you better talk back. You see, if you're always listening to what the devil says about your past, you'll never hear what God's trying to say about your future. God has a glorious future for you. Quit looking in the rearview mirror for God's best. God's best is in front of you. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies, and they love not their lives unto death. The third thing, here's how to defeat the quacks. Here's how to overcome. Number three, let God use your past for his eternal purpose. Let God use your past for his eternal purpose. One of the things that I love most about God And there's a lot to love. But one of my favorite things about God is this. He will never waste a pain, hurt, heartache, habit, or hang-up. He won't do it. Sometimes we'll look back at a time in our life and say, you know, what was that all about? Why did I have to go through that? Or we'll look at something and it was a painful season, a painful chapter in our life, and we wish we could edit that out of the story. I'm going to tell you this. Listen, that's a part of your testimony. And what the enemy used to destroy you, God will use to develop you. I, I believe, and I don't know how he does it, but I'm so thankful that he does. When I look back at some of the most painful experiences in my life and I see, you know what, God, you used even that. You used even that. How could God use that? You know, just because we can't clean up what we mess up doesn't mean that God can't take that and make something beautiful out of it. Scripture says in Psalm 56, verse 8, And this is fascinating. Scripture says, God, you keep track of all of my sorrows. Now think about it. There are some sorrows in my life that I just soon forget. Man, if I never think about that again, if I'm never reminded of that again, man, it'll be too soon. But the the writer here says, God, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You've, You've collected all of my tears in your bottle. And you've recorded each one in your book. 
Now, why in the world is God keeping record of all of this stuff? Lord, why would you track all of it? Why would you record it? Here's what I felt like God dropped in my spirit. He says, I record it so that I can redeem it. You see, I don't waste any of that stuff. Now, I know you think it was a waste. And you think it was failure and you think it was embarrassing and then maybe there was some guilt and shame but listen I have forgiven that and in fact I'm going to use that very season in your life to strengthen you and that will serve as a testimony I'm telling you I've talked to so many men and women who came out of drugs alcohol sexual addiction and God's brought healing to them and now where are they most effective in new beginnings, sharing their story. Hey, here's what the devil did. The devil did his best, but his best was not enough. You see, the, 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 the devil threw some weapons at me. He quacked at me, but God forgave me. And look at how he restored me. And if God did that for me, what could he do for you? You see, the very point of disgrace, and that's what I love about the cross. But I mean, think about it. The very emblem of our faith is a cross. It's a symbol of death destruction. In fact, the day that Jesus died, all of hell rejoiced and they thought that was their greatest moment. Little did they know that was the turning point for God's greatest victory. That, that, that there was death was swallowed up in victory because of what happened out of that experience. Now that empty tomb says new life. It says new hope. It says new beginning. And the devil can try to tear you down. But Jesus said, what I put in you, it's even greater. I said, it's greater. It's great. Don't underestimate the power of the cross. And you better, you better speak God's word over you because there's eternal purpose in this. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I just have a feeling that maybe some of you have kind of drug in some quacks up in here. Guilt and shame. You know, when I think of guilt, when I think of shame, I'm reminded of an analogy I heard years ago about elephants, circus elephants. Trainer, when an when a elephant's just a baby, and that elephant probably weighs 300 pounds, but a trainer will put a shackle on one of the legs of that baby elephant, attached to a chain and drive a stake into a ground to the ground and that trainer will use that chain to train the elephant and that baby elephant in its mind it tries to break free but it never can but what's interesting to me is an adult elephant which weighs two tons I'm telling you 4,000 pounds can be held by the same stake the same chain that a little baby elephant is held by you know why because elephants really do have good memories you see as a baby that little elephant tried to break free and never could. So it eventually just resigned to the fact that it could never be free. So an adult elephant is held by the same stake as a baby elephant. Why? It's not chained to a stake. It's chained to a memory of the past. And some of you are being held hostage by a memory of your yesterday. And God's saying, no, 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 no. The cross is greater. My sacrifice is greater. 
What I've given to you through Jesus is greater. Now, if you'll just speak over you what I speak over you, if you'll just come into agreement with my word, I'll take all of that hurt and heartache. Let me do it. Give it to me. I'll transform it. And you'll find that your misery will become your ministry. You'll find that your test has now become your testimony. Your mess has now become your message. I don't know how God does it, but he does it. And if you'll just trust him with it, you don't have to be tormented by the quacks any longer. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.